Right? I mean, and think about that too. If you were to pitch, like, that's the thing about movies too. If you were to pitch the story, oh, we're going to make a, you know, a drama, comedy, you know, uh, interesting story about the financial crisis of 2008, you'd be like, what? That sounds boring. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Deficit Podcast. My name is Adam Aubrey, and here today, our goal is to stimulate your deficit with good chats, life hacks, and great conversations. Hopefully, a little bit of everything in between as well. I'm joined today with a post production supervisor in the film industry up here in Vancouver named Ryan Clark. Hello, Ryan. Adam, how's it going? Not good, man. Pretty good. I got a. I'm pretty excited to have you on. Um, I think you're my first who is uh, somewhat senior ranking in the film industry, as far as it goes. And, you know, as, as you know, from our prior conversations, I, I got into it a few years back. And um, it was really cool to find out that I actually had someone through the family that's been working out here for, how long did you say you've been in the industry for? It's over 25 years, I think. So, yeah, it's been a while. Awesome, man. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, do you mind if I jump into that right away here? Like, can sure. I? Okay, so I was wondering, first off, when you were younger, Coming up, like, was there ever a point in high school or something where you were like, you know, I want to be involved in editing and, like, uh, the whole post side of film? Or was there something else that you were going for? Uh, so the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess when I was, you know, like everybody when you're in high school, just trying to get through it, have fun, what have you. Um, I did have intentions to go to university or college. Yeah. and. Hadn't really figured out exactly what I want to do. Like, oh, I want to be a lawyer when I get out or I want to be, you know, what have you. Um, so, um, but I thought, okay, going into university was a good idea. Um, actually went to UCC in Kamloops um, with like a transfer program down to either SFU or uh, UBC. Cool. And so I started out um, in business and pretty quickly into it, I was like, I don't really like this. It seemed a bit dry to me. Same yeah. with all my friends. <laughs> um, and then I did transfer down to uh, Vancouver at SFU and sort of switched over to communications was my major. Um, but uh, during that time, there was a, a, um, a film production that came through Kamloops. And I was back home working summers to save money to go to university. And... Uh, the production came through town, and and I, I don't know, I, don't, I can't remember exactly what captured my interest. I think when I was in Vancouver, you know, going to school, um, you would see productions around. Um, if memory serves, I may have been an extra on a, on a set uh, cool. at one point, um, and kind of found it interesting. Right? I was yeah. like, hey, this seems kind of fun and cool, and what have you. Um, so then I went back to Kamloops. Um, was working construction to like save money and there was a production that came through town and I was like hey this might be kind of cool and went down to set um you know checked it out a bit and I started talking to people about potentially working on yeah. set and at that time I remember who exactly I spoke with but they were like oh yeah we don't really need anybody right now but if you want to hang out you know feel free and I was like sure so I was kind of hanging around set and then eventually somebody came up to me and was like you what are you doing right now? I was like, nothing. And they were like, okay, we got some things for you to do. Cool. And that was it. Like that was sort of how it all started. Um, 
Yeah, that was, nice. that was the beginning. So they wrangle, wrangled you in for some like production assistant work or something? Or? Yeah, it kind of started out as like, can you go to this other location and watch some of this stuff? You know, the, the boring oh, yeah. PA stuff they yeah. always get you to do, sit in an empty parking lot. Um, and then uh, when I came back to set, all of a sudden I was like an extra set of hands and that they needed. And so... I was working, you know, with the lighting and electrics department and then the grip department wanted me and cool. locations wanted me. So every day I was doing something different. You know, one day Pretty I'd be good. driving a car. Then yeah. At one point I was doing dailies runs because we shot on film. So I would like run footage from Kamloops to Vancouver, pick it up in the morning, go back. So they had like, you on as a Swiss army knife essentially. Yeah, it was, and it was super exciting and yeah. it was really fun. And, you know, I would be like setting lights on set, you know, working with the DP. Like it was, this was all in my like third day. <laughs> wow, yeah. cool. Yeah, so it was Holy. a really great uh, opportunity and great exposure to to uh, the business. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, at the time, like super exciting too. It was a lot of fun. How old are you when you said you did that? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have to do the math, but would have been in my early 20s for sure. Cool. Yeah. Wicked. So um, prior to going to university and like high school and stuff, what kind of uh, passions did you have like before the reality of life set it and you're like, well, I'm gonna have to go to university and get this kind of a degree. Was there like a certain artistic passion that you had or anything like that? Uh, not so much. I mean, I growing up in Kamloops is, yep. is pretty you, did. you know town. what it's like, right? Yeah. It's like, there's so much to do. You know, I was like playing soccer and mm -hmm. I was very active. Like my, my parents were active. So, cool. so was I. So, you know, skiing and soccer and, you know, mountain biking and yeah. fishing and all, all that stuff. So, no, I was just like enjoying the outdoors, enjoying my my life that way. But uh, yeah, I never really had a direction to kind of. I loved watching movies. Yeah, I remember that. Like I was always watching movies and TV shows. Like, you know, Cheers and dating myself and that sort of thing. But, <laughs> but but I love and movies. I loved. Right. I remember watching. You know, whether it was Die Hard or or you know Die Hard. Uh, like honestly. Still in my books, top three greatest movies of all time. Yeah, fantastic. And but but everything like drama and yep. action and horror, all that stuff when I was a kid. And so I loved movies, but I didn't really think of like, oh, I want to go direct movies or you know, yeah, be in movies or anything like it that. It always seems so far away too, right? Like when you see the movies, and not a lot of people are really aware that there's this film industry down here to work yeah. in, right? At first, it, it seems like it's strictly a Hollywood or New York thing. Yeah, very much so. I think that perspective may have changed now over the yeah. years because there's so much happening in Vancouver and, and even in the interior. Like, you know, like Kelowna is a huge, you know, sh uh, shooting location now. Yeah. I, I know when I uh, when I first came down here to work, um, nobody that I knew had any clue that the, like, they knew that they did movies in Vancouver, but they had no idea that the industry was as big as it was. Oh, really? Okay. Like, growing up in Kamloops, it was like, at least when, when I was growing up there, um, when you wanted to make good money, everyone was like, you get a trade, mm -hmm. go up north to the camps, work in the sands or whatever, right? Sure. Nobody ever mentions the $7 billion a year industry that functions down here. Right. And uh, when I when I got down here, it was like really eye-opening. I had no idea how, like I knew it was big, but I had no idea how big it was. Yeah. Like it really is like, it kind of takes you back a little bit, makes you think like, holy crap, like how have I been, like this is only three hours away from my hometown. How have I not known about this the whole time? A little wild. Um, so, like, when it comes to um, the transition from, like, you first getting into film into getting into the post-production side of things, how did that all 
work its way through. Like um, if you had uh, someone here who was looking to get into that, like a PA or something like that, um, and they are wondering, let's start with like how you did it, mm -hmm. and then through your experience, what you would tell someone who's interested in getting into that side of work. Sure. Um, I think everybody has a different story mm -hmm. about how they got where they are in yep. film. Um, I was, again, very fortunate with the production uh, that I I hooked up with back in Kamloops, that first production. Um, it was run uh, by uh, two brothers named the Vince brothers, um, William and, and Robert. And um, they really, <laughs> there's been no one quite like them that's, uh, really given opportunities in the industry. I, I haven't seen it quite the way that they did. Um, so the one producer in particular, Bill, um, he, you know, I started working out on these sets. He saw that I worked hard and, and you know, seemingly liked me and was like, let's keep this kid busy. And eventually he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, you know, at this point, I thought well, I might want to get into directing and that kind of thing. And he suggested, he's like, we should get you into post-production because that will give you an idea um, about how it all kind of comes together. Mm -hmm. It gives you a different perspective. And it's, he goes, a lot of, you know, directors, they, they were editors and have gone on directing. So he thought it'd be very valuable for me. And I think he needed people uh, to be on a team in post. Mm -hmm. So that was the, the beginning. I started on a movie and then he's like, we'll move you into post-production. And uh, at that point, it was, fa it was awesome. Like it was just, you'd learn so, so much every day and um it was essentially myself and i think three other guys my age maybe four um that were kind of running this post-production division for this company um cool. yeah it was really great he gave us an opportunity um and you know we worked our asses off for him and for the productions but we were also like gaining all this experience it was fantastic and we were getting paid as mm -hmm. well like we wasn't, wasn't making nothing um so that was a, a real, I mean, that individual, um, Bill Vince, uh, was such a huge impact in my life. Um, cool. He's since passed. He, unfortunately, at about, I think he was 44, um, he died of cancer. Um, oh. Yeah, but he he was definitely responsible for uh, for giving me a, a big break and, and tra my transfer from production to post. So when you went into post, did they have, what was the, the first kind of jobs they had you doing? Oh, the fun stuff. Um, but again... Sounds like so long ago, but it was like, you know, dubbing, we called um making copies on VHS of the dailies or what have you. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, sometimes like delivering it to set. Um, a lot of, a lot of sort of the technical end in the facility. Mm -hmm. Um, again, you know, doing even basic onlines, which is, it's so different now than it was then, but it was like, you know, these big three quarter tape and decks and that kind of thing. And wow. so, yeah, it was very technical. Um, but it was very cool. I really liked it. Yeah. Nice. Did you, uh, when it came to like the, uh, the actual editing part of it, what what aspect of that was more fascinating to you, like the visual or the audio or the VFX? Um, well, when I first started, it was it was amazing. Like you'd see, you know, the footage. I'm I'm sure you probably know about the the old ways that they used to cut film, and and we mm -hmm. still kind of did at the very end of the process, but cutting actual negative film negative, right? Wow. And but but you know the editors when i started they were all working on these digital editing systems the first one was called the division and avid you know was also started started at the same time and um cool. that was the coolest thing i remember seeing like a giant monitor with all the 
all the frames, right, of every take, like up yep. there with the slates and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then the editor would scroll through and be able to cut it instantly digitally. And that was really impressive to me. I was like, this is amazing to be able to do this, the technology and the creativity. Um, so that was pretty wild. And then the whole process that follows with it, like the sound edit and, mm -hmm. you know, the Foley recording and, and you know, um, the mixes and, and then the picture side, it was just... The whole process is quite, I don't want to say magical, <laughs> but it's really cool. Well, that's it's why they really... call it movie magic, right? It's, yeah, you know, I know. It makes sense. <laughs> they're, they're making the magic in there. So they say. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, Foley, Foleying has always been interesting to me. I, I watched a little documentary a while ago about how they got the uh, sound effects for the first Star Wars trilogy. Mm -hmm. Man, I had no idea. Like the... The lasers is just a guy tapping a guide wire with a yeah, wrench. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, I mean, I also remember the first time I was in Universal Studios and we did a tour and they took us to like a post room. I think it was like a Foley pit and stuff. And they were they were laying over uh, sound effects for um, Miami Vice. And, <laughs> and, and, and I remember um, watching it and I was like, they can't do this for the whole movie, right? Like it would take forever, yeah. you know, creating a sound for everything. And- you know, as I got into the industry, it's like, yeah, they, they do. And it's not all done by hand, yeah. but it's every single sound is added or enhanced or replaced. And it, it, I was just like, I can't believe it. It must take forever. Yeah, that's wild. Like, and the amount of attention to detail mm -hmm. in the background you must have to, like, stay aware of is just, like, it's a little mind-blowing. I don't know if I could ever focus that much on, like, just seeing what's... Because, I mean... If you see, miss one car driving by or something, then it's like there's a lapse in the audio, right? Kind of tricky there. So you've been in the post world for how long now since you got into film? Oh, God. I'm trying to remember what the first movie I worked in post was. I mean, it's been roughly like 20 years probably in post and <laughs> at least, you know, probably another five or so on, on set, I think. Something like that. What was the last thing... Last time you can remember being like just really stoked on a project. And you don't have to mention the name of the project necessarily, <laughs> but if there is something like if there's like a stunt or something, you know, that you can disclose, that'd be cool to hear about. Um, I mean again, when you're on set for the first time, it's all pretty exciting, right? Yeah. You get to see like you know, the the company I worked for, they did kind of low budget action movies. So there was always like a you know, a car rollover or an explosion and mm -hmm. I mean Got lots bring back lots of memories, but they did a huge explosion of the old Palisades Hotel before they imploded it. Um, from a movie <laughs> I worked on, uh, it was like about you know bomb diffusers, um, cool. Uh, and but they literally set off this huge explosion of this abandoned hotel, and I just it was like I was there on set, and you know, my jacket was steaming after because of like rain and the heat and everything. And holy shit, yeah, it was really cool. Um, so that was pretty exciting, but. As far as the projects go, it's really, you know, in my career anyway, it's been, you know, a real mixed bag, right? Yeah. Some projects you're like, ah, eh, whatever, it's just a job and that kind of thing. And then some projects are like really cool. You kind of get on board with the passion of it all. Yeah. And again, everyone has different interests, you know, whether it's uh, some people are really into documentaries, some people are into reality, some yeah. like the high, you know, high budget stuff. Um uh, so, but there's definitely some projects where I'm like, this is really cool. Like, this is something that I would watch and that I'm, you know, excited to be a part of. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's just a job. And as the years have gone on for me, 
uh, it's really been about the people you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of really great people, um, cool. made some good friends that are yeah. like, some are lifelong friends. Nice. And, um, yeah, so that's a huge, that's a huge thing for me these that's days. That's the big factor for you is the people? It, it is now, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, in the beginning, again, it's just all kind of, you're excited about it and that sort of thing. But as time's gone on, it's like, you're spending you know, many hours, especially if you're on set, as you know, yeah. right. Yeah. You want to enjoy the, you know, the company of the people you're, you're with. So. Yeah. You're with them 15 hours a day. So you don't want to have people that bother you the whole time. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, so with the people being a major part of like the satisfaction of your job, like being happy at it, mm-hmm. um, what are kind of the do's and don'ts like say there's a new guy in the office or whatever, what's something that you would tell that PA like to watch out for and be on top of versus don't ever do this sort of thing? Um. <laughs> like, you know, like kind of like if you're working on set, don't talk when you're rolling. Yeah. But like one, do yeah. make sure to stay on top of like the trash or whatever, right? <laughs> whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, I guess the one piece that I'd, I'd have, piece of advice I'd have is – um. I've always erred on the side of not saying anything about, you know, the creative creativity or opinions mm-hmm. about the show or anything like that. It's kind of like keep it to yourself a lot of times. Okay. Um, now I'm not saying if somebody asks you, don't be dishonest, but, you know, I just think about it from other people's perspective. Is this If this is their passion project and they've worked on it for two years or three years and they're doing it and, you know, you sit there and think, well, this is kind of a... You know, it's not very good, right? <laughs> um, you know, um, you kind of keep that to yourself. Yeah. Even though it's true. Yeah. Um, because, again, for other people, it, it is a passion and um, they might see it differently. And, how and often, take... sorry, but how often does that happen? Like, do you, <laughs> do you come across a lot of projects where, like, a lot of projects where you kind of look at it and you're like, uh, you know, let's just get this done and put this garbage out or um, whatever. Or what? I don't know how often. I mean, again, it, you know, it's it's a job. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, even actors will say the same thing. It's like they'll work on projects that kind of stink, mm-hmm. right? Um, but they kind of keep it to themselves. I think, like, Shia LaBeouf is a big one that comes to mind when yeah. he kind of spoke out about the the fourth Indiana Jones movie or whatever it was. And he was like, this isn't very good. And everyone's like, you can't say that. Like you know, you're promoting this movie and you're the star and you can't say that. You're going to piss George off. Don't piss piss everybody off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Spielberg and these huge like icons in the industry. And I think everyone was kind of like, I mean, good for him for kind of speaking his mind, but at what cost, right? Like all of a sudden Hollywood's like, well, okay, we're going to put you on the sidelines. But again, a super talented guy. And, and, uh, but so, yeah, I, I find that, you know, I kind of, yeah, I just keep quiet about it even I even though I might feel a certain way and stuff and okay. uh, but at the same time if it is something that I do really like I I, I will say like hey this is really great you know? cool yeah awesome um so out of the three sort of like the way I'm picturing it in post-production is like three elements of visual audio and then the effects so which one of those three is your favorite to be kind of around when it comes to that side of the process? Um, I would say, I mean, it's it, my job as a post-production supervisor because it's all of those mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of all the minutiae in between. Um, I wouldn't say that there's, you know, a, a part of it that I love more than the other. 
Um, okay. For me, it's kind of as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting, like when you kind of get close to the end, like, you know, whether it's a, a, a mix or, you know, um, a, a color session or, or dropping in the final visual effects, that's kind of cool because you kind of see it, get to see the, the finished yeah. product, right? Um, cool. So, yeah, it's not really one or the other for me. Oh, nice. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. It, it does It does kind of make a lot more sense to appreciate something as like an entire finished product than just one element of it. Um, so when it goes, when you're going, um, like you're close to the end of a project, um, what exactly is that? Is that like, like, you know, people are starting to get all the jobs done and stuff. Um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, how do you go about making sure that everything is done to the needs of the person owning the project, I guess? Like, do you have, like, boxes that you tick off, or do you have that person involved intimately in the process the whole time to tell you when it's good to go? I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, the executives, you know, or the producers of a project, it, it, like you say, it's their project, and so... You know, they usually have final sign-off on everything. Like, all right, here are all the completed visual effects. We think they're great. You know, do you? What are your? What's your? You know, feedback mm-hmm. feeling? And they, you know, they give notes on on everything, right? Whether it's visual effects or the edit or the sound mix, like all the way along, they give their opinions. And so, um, like you say, because they're the client, you always, you know, accommodate and mm-hmm. make those adjustments to make sure that they're uh, they're happy. Cool. Um, so. I know that you have kind of fallen into the world of post-production supervisor, right? And you'd mentioned earlier that it wasn't exactly like your your main goal when you're coming up, but yet you you like it now. Um, when you first realized you were going to be in this side of the industry, are there any figures or directors or editors that you looked towards as like uh, just to kind of see what a good job would be versus a bad job, I guess? Like, was there any, like, if I'm going to be, um, say, uh, a, a cinematographer or something, I'm going to look at some stuff from, like, whoever works with Denis Villeneuve or, like, you know, guys like that. Are there any figures like that that you thought of as far as, like, um, I guess giving you a, a target? Um, Not so much for what I do because mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a, post-production supervisor job if you were saying an editor or a director you know or even producers then or writers that kind of the creative things you're like oh that's really cool or that's that's something to shoot for but i don't know many like you know high profile post-supervisors yeah, <laughs> or anything so, like yeah. that i mean there probably are um but i've yeah i've never really um had that sort of as an influence so you can get into being a post supervisor without necessarily having to be an editor prior to or anything like that. Like I guess. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, it, it <laughs> give you a nice vague answer. Um, <laughs> it it uh, it helps. Like mm-hmm. the more that you know. Again, that's why I said to you. Like those times when I worked on set mm-hmm. gave me a lot of knowledge um, to bring into post. Yeah. You know, like you understand you know, why things, why didn't they get a proper slate or why didn't they shoot this this way? It's like, well, there's other factors that happen on set that you might not know or see. Yeah. Um, So it helps to do those other jobs, even in post. I think for my role, I think there's definitely a base of like, you should have probably been an assistant editor. You should have, you know, put your hands on editing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And and kind of the more you understand the hands-on, process of those other jobs um 
the the better you are at your job, um, the more confident you can be and the more problems you can solve. So yeah, the more you can do those things, great. It helps out immensely. Well, do, do you have any... Um... Working in this industry and in, in what you do, have there been any moments, like, have you been able to figure out what looks like the the post-production side of the film was done right? Like, I, like in working in post-production as long as you have, even though you're not necessarily directly an editor or a Foley artist or anything like that, I'm sure you've seen enough projects come to fruition afterwards to know what a, a good job in post versus a bad job in post is. I'm just wondering... Um, do you have any examples of what a good versus a bad one would be? Um, uh, like, are there are there any like taboos? I guess like th- like or like um, is there anything that's like a like a cliche as far as like the post world goes? Um, I, I, a cliche. I mean, there's the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> so the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. So I mean, that's a like you say that's a cliche, right? It, it there's a documentary on it. Apparently, I haven't seen it. I think I I think I did watch. That doc, I think you can see it on YouTube even now. I think you're right. Yeah. But yeah, it was from like way back when, like the early days of film. And then it just, it now it's this kind of running gag that's, it's in, I don't know, thousands of movies. It's <laughs> insane. And you can hear it. As soon as you hear it, it makes me laugh, right? You know, it, it's the scream. It's that one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, unmistakable. But um, that, I don't know. That's just a like a fun gag that's kind of continued on. And, and I love it. The fact that like, you know. Tarantino and like all these, you know, huge directors and, and current filmmakers will throw it in their serious film. Like it's, mm-hmm. but it's, um, yeah, a little bit of a shout out, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. One thing I think it applies to, you know, people who work on set such as yourself too, is when something is done really well, you just don't notice it and you get lost in the, in mm-hmm. the, in the show or the movie. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you find that when you're watching a show, you're like kind of looking to see, you know, where they must have had a light there or working in film has ruined movies has for it? me. So I'm always looking at that kind of really? stuff. Really? Yeah. Not, not, not necessarily ruined, but I guess it's just that like now that I'm aware of all these elements that go into like what makes a scene, I can't help but find myself thinking about it unless it is a really, really well made movie. And then right. all of a sudden I'm like, in it right that's what i find too is if it's well done you just you you don't even think about it yeah you're really just focused on the movie Um, yeah i still find that um bad visual effects really jump out at me yeah yeah um yeah i've really noticed that where you're like oof. have any examples from like movies gone by um i'm sure there's a few uh (laughs) i'm just trying to think um i mean good effects same thing where you're like holy like uh what's the series i watched recently andor Oh yeah, yeah, fantastic! Like the set pieces, like you know, the, for the backgrounds, um, like the blending between like the set and sort of the background of yeah. the city or something like yeah, that, yeah. and like it just is so photo real. Well, they use that new like that eight K bendy screen now. They feel like that. There that, is a lot of that going yeah. on. Yeah, that's still. It's still. I don't know. There's a lot of pros and cons to that. Okay. Um, I I don't think I haven't worked on a show that's actually implemented that, but it, it a lot of it has to do with like cost and mm-hmm. I mean that's the big one. Like, is it cost effective? Is it cheaper than a green screen? All yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I haven't I haven't worked on a show with that, but there are a few stages here in Vancouver that lots of productions are using. Oh okay. Yeah yeah, it's pretty uh, wild. Isn't that what they use on like and I knew they used it on um, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. this huge like hundred foot wide 
screen that just projects like you know whatever the background's supposed to be. Yeah, and it's you know it's it, apparently it keeps the perspective you know as you move. I I haven't actually been to one of those stages. I should probably go check it out because um, some of my post supervisor friends have worked on shows that implement that technology yeah. as well. And um, yeah, I haven't worked with it yet. Do you think it's more something they've implemented to help the actors stay in it because they're not stuck in front of a big blue or green screen rather than it actually being a higher quality background? I don't think that's that was necessarily the intent. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, I, I think it, it probably came across as like, is this cost effective? Does it look more realistic? That's probably it. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it does help the actors. You have to get an actor in here and interview them. Yeah. Them. I think I've got one coming up soon, hopefully. Yeah, maybe she's been on some stuff with some VFX like that or some cool. good screens. Um, okay. Well, since we're on the topic of good and bad um, editing and stuff, I did- You trying I, to get me canceled here? Yeah. Let's let's do it. <laughs> Don't hire this yeah. guy. What's your opinion on the current conflict in? Yeah. Are yeah. <laughs> we going into the Middle East? Yeah. What are we yeah. going to talk about next? <laughs> Um, I have this thing that I've decided to start doing uh, on my last episode called Yes or Yuck. Okay. I'm just going to ring off like a, a movie title and you can tell can me. Can I go no, I may have to go no comment. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. If it's something you've worked on, feel free. Yeah, no, no. no I just, yeah, I try not to badmouth too many, I mean, you know, productions uh, that have gone by because like you say, it's a small town and, yeah. and whatnot. Well, I did. Uh, these are mostly like. Older, more historical movies, anyhow, a lot of them. And they are from lists online that have been, like, top 10 worst and best editing jobs and stuff. So I just kind of... Editing. Well, editing and, like, just, like, yeah, like, basically anything done in the post side of it all. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just going to ring off some movie names, and then you can say yes or yuck or no comment if you want. Sure. But I, I figured then we can use, like, I usually go about 30 seconds afterwards just to, like, elaborate on why... Or whatever, sure. right? So let's start with uh, the Star Wars original trilogy. Like we talked about the Wilhelm scream and stuff like I that. I mean, so. I loved it. Like, I, I saw them as a kid. Yeah. It was awesome. Like they totally blew my mind. When yeah. I saw it. Like I think they did for everybody, right? Yeah. The originals and were fantastic. It was kind of one of the first with those like scene transitions, right? Like the, you know, you, you remember yeah, how yeah. like they the do like the, the pan, yeah, the wipes yeah. and like the from the center out and stuff. Yeah. It was super cool. Yeah. The whole movie. I mean, wow blew your mind so that i'd assume that was a yes then eh? yeah, yeah yes and yes. and is that for all three of the original trilogy then the original yeah the three yeah. okay and what about the uh what about the prequels yes or yuck uh not for me again i yeah i didn't enjoy them yeah um um i think they were more i don't know, looking back we discussed it too we we're like i think these are for kids right i don't know if george lucas would say that but i think they were more for kids and i think as an adult who saw them as kids, I kind of expected it to be, you know, this mind-blowing thing, which yeah. maybe some of the new spinoffs are, right? Yeah, I mean... Um, like, I think, like I said, Andor, to me, was, like, awesome. Like, it blew my mm -hmm. mind. But, yeah, I think the, the the prequels were for kids, so, again, not for me. Yeah, the writing wasn't necessarily the best either, I mean... Yeah, I mean, and, and again, talk about visual effects, like, some of it was really cool, but some of it also, I mean, you know, it's a certain period of time, but it just... It didn't blow me away visual effect wise, um, the way that I thought it could have. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, it seemed like there was some wasted potential in that, especially in the original trilogy. And like, I don't like sand. <laughs> Why? Like, I, George Lucas just had to throw that line in there. I don't get it. it. Didn't make any sense to me. He's like, do you remember that scene? No, I don't. Oh, he's it's when he's uh, Anakin's in the field with Padme. I think it's in the Clone Wars episode, and. 
It's supposed to be some romantic frolicking thing. They're out in the grassy field or something, and they're yeah. laying there, and um, they start talking about uh, Tatooine, and he's like, "There's so much sand. I don't like sand. It gets everywhere." Well, and, <laughs> to be honest, it's probably uh, something he wrote, you know, as a personal side note after filming with Tunisia. Isn't that where they were for the original? I think so. Yeah. I mean, all the sand, like. I think by the end of that, you'd hate it. Probably mess with all the equipment. All right? the equipment, the cameras, yeah. like in your eyes. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that was probably a little bit of a, you know, a nod to, you know, from George Lucas saying, I, I hate, fucking hate sand. Yeah, true you enough. Know, I'm just guessing. I yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could see that as like a personal commentary, actually, now that you mention it. Now it makes a little yeah. bit more sense. I thought it was such an awkward placement of yeah, a line. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> trying to dig deep into a character and he yeah. comes up with sand. It's just like, what the hell, yeah. man? The moon. The moon is weird. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. doesn't make any sense. So did you get a chance to see the, the last three of the Star Wars? Like episodes seven through nine? Uh, which ones are those again? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, liked, I liked The Force Awakens. Yeah? I liked it. I yeah. mean... Again, it was a throwback to kind of the original, I think, in a lot of kind of structure and story. But mm. I thought they nailed it. I I liked it. The yeah. two following, I didn't like so much. It's like they kept trying to reboot it without officially rebooting it, you know? Yeah. Um, again, when you get into these big shows, there's so much, you know, politics and, and um, you know, it takes us into a different conversation, though, mm -hmm. about you know, movies to make money, you know, trying to appease the audience and make sure there's, you know, a huge success as opposed to, you know, well, we want to tell this story. Mm -hmm. And I think those two are always like clashing. Yeah. There's got to be a balance between social commentary and storytelling, right? It seems to be like they were trying to lean too much in one direction. Yeah. And I think like just, you know, business first. I mean, that's the film business. That's basically yeah. it. Creative versus, you know, financial. End. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's an ongoing battle on pretty much every show I've ever worked on. How often do you experience that on the shows you work on? I guess probably in every one of them. Eh? Like, yeah, there's always, you know, we want to do this, but we don't have enough money, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, and the director's like, I want to do it. And the producer's like, no, you can't, or, or we'll find a way. Like, it's a constant, constant. It's always like that. So we'll say uh, Final Trilogy was a yes for seven, but yuck for the last yeah, two? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, cool. Um, Moulin Rouge, you ever get a chance to watch I Moulin Rouge? I never saw it. No? No. Okay, we'll move on to, did you see the new Elvis movie? Did not see that either. Oh, man. That yeah. one's off too. Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, I saw that. Okay, yes or yuck? Oh, I love it. Yeah? Yeah. I you, mean, yeah. It, it was, uh, talking about editing and yeah. pacing. Yeah. That I mean, that's one thing about Scorsese. His movies never, there's never a dull moment. It's always moving. Yeah, they and, never slow down. Yeah, yeah, and if it does slow down, it's like intense enough to, to hold your interest. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen his new one yet. Um, was it Child of the, I forget the name. Oh, um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things, uh, but I haven't seen it. But like top, I gotta say probably top three, like Goodfellas. Um, nice. Just, yeah, just moves. Wolf of Wall Street, again, super entertaining. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty pretty provocative. And, and I think it's got the record for the most cursing in a movie now. I yeah, think. yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, Jonah Hill holds the record for the most fucks <laughs> in in one character. Yeah. yeah, no, it was good. But again, the editing is just like you know, super on point. Yeah, and super fast. Movie. What about uh, like um, the Big Short? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I like 
that part of like when Adam McKay makes a film like Vice or something, right? Mm-hmm. It's usually like it's almost a documentary in a sense. Like mm-hmm. they have these sections where they like tell you like, so this is what was happening, right? Yeah. Like, nobody cool. understood how the housing market really worked, right? And then the Big Short had some way of like. There's like this cutoff where they're almost using like Jenga pieces as like mortgage packages and yeah. stuff. Yeah, right? I mean, and think about that too. If you were to pitch, like, this is the thing about movies too. If you were to pitch the story, oh, we're gonna make a, you know, a drama comedy, you know, uh, interesting story about the financial crisis of 2008, you'd be like, what? That sounds boring, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the way you do it, it's yeah. all about how you execute it, yeah. right? And and like you say, with a little, you know. You know, sidebar talking points yeah. and and um, and the way it was done and the cast and the writing, like it, it just it was a fantastic film. You didn't even have to know anything about the financial crisis, I don't think, to enjoy it. I know I didn't, and I feel I felt yeah. like I knew a lot more about it after the movie, which was yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a nice win to like you know teach people about maybe you know what happened yeah. and that kind of thing, but in an entertaining way. They should almost make it a mandate for you to watch that film before you buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to understand how these work, right? Um, did you get a chance, uh, this this is an older one, um, the Ang Lee Hulk movie with yeah, Eric Bannon. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. I remember it was the first time I saw them trying to use like almost like comic panels for... Yeah, I thought that was super cool, yeah. right? How they did it. It was a little slow, I think, in terms of pacing. But again, you talk about, you know, uh, interesting things in pose, like mm-hmm. very interesting with transitions was another one yeah. with that. And like you say, how they did kind of segment it into, um, uh, you know, the the different uh, panels and stuff. Um, yeah, I like I liked it. So we'll give it a yes? Yeah, That's yeah, cool. for yeah. sure. Yeah, I was with my dad first time I saw that movie. I think I was 10 or 12 maybe, but I remember... Being stoked because it after all the slowness, he's finally like fighting some tanks or something. And I look over, and he is just asleep. Oh yeah, in the movie theater, just passed. <laughs> Took too out. long to get yeah. there. I was like, this must have this probably missed the mark for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and the visual effects like that I, at the time, I thought they were really really yeah. good and really cool and stuff like that. So. I haven't really. I've I've been a yes man here. I haven't said no to anything, have I? Uh, maybe the. the I mean the prequels. I guess the prequels. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so, oh, here's one. This is going back. Um, the Adam West Batman series. Oh God! I mean, that was before my time. Yeah, I'm not that old. I know. Um, <laughs> do you? I, I think so. I hope so. I mean, um, so that was before my time. I, I mean, again, like, you know, for its time, I'm sure it was awesome. People were like, "That's why I put it there," because it was like, you know, it it's corny as hell, yeah, right? Now, but, yeah, right. But back then, it's like you got letters popping up on yeah. the sh- on the scenes and stuff. And but I, again, I think at the time people were like, "This is awesome. This yeah. is this is cool." Like, um, uh, you know, it was entertaining. And and to be honest, it it was you know when you look back at that stuff, you're kind of like, "Yeah, it looks you know lame and cheesy now." But it was like where it started, kind of yeah. like right. Somebody's kind of got to do it first, right? Definitely, and, yeah. And, um, even though it was you know a little ways along, but. Uh, I think it was, I remember hearing Nick Schwartzen uh, talk about, like, the Transformers movies. Yeah. And, you know, he was saying how people were like, oh, it sucked, it sucked, you know, it was lame, it was sucked. He's like, if you watched that movie in, like, the 60s, it would blow your mind. Yeah. Like, you'd be like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. you'd come, your head would fucking explode, right? I was so stoked on those movies. when, Like, oh. the, when the first Transformers came out, like, even the teaser trailers... I used to watch the animated series when I was a kid all the time and Beasties and stuff. Yeah, and it was yeah. just like, man, like when I saw it, like Spielberg's name tagged, 
with like Transformers. It's like there's no way, there is no way. But then it happened. And I was I was stoked. Yeah, I mean, again, visual effects. You're just like, oh my god, like it. Yeah. It's, it looks so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The metal shining and everything. Yeah, it's amazing. That's actually where I was gonna go next. Good sound too, trans- actually. Yeah. Oh, the sound design was. And I think they've won. Really cool. and I'm pretty sure they won. Like, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Academy Awards for their um, their sound work on that. Cool. I, I'm I didn't pretty know sure. That. That's uh, that's really neat, actually, because th- those were the next ones on my list with the Transformers movies. But yeah, I mean, I don't. Can... Again, they're a different category of movie, right? And yep. and you know, they're you know designed to kind of entertain the world, which they do. Like those movies make over a billion dollars yeah. usually. Um, again, I'm not a huge fan of them, but I have you know huge respect for like you, know, you say the visual effects or yep. the sound design. Like you know, you can find pretty good qualities in even the Shittiest of movies, I think. But. Well, if there's one thing Michael Bay delivers on, it's lots of shining lights and explosions, right? So it's yeah. at least visually appealing that way if you're looking for that stuff, right? And people like them. Like yeah. I say, they're making a billion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So the guy who voiced Optimus Prime uh, was also the voice actor for the King Kong movie, mm-hmm. the Peter Jackson Kong mm-hmm. movie. And I remember him saying something about how. When he first started doing Optimus Prime's voice, he was just recovering from rupturing a vocal cord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from doing the Kong <laughs> screams all the time. Guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have just been cool. like a real struggle, though. Man, that that was just crazy, though. You remember the first time you see that, that semi-truck pull up? And it's just like, here he is. It's the big guy in Optimus Prime shows. The voice was perfect for it. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm going to get stuck on that nerd out a bit, <laughs> though. Like, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Saw it again a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Don't, I remember watching it really young when I was really young, and I just I didn't get it at the time. I don't think I was the right age maybe to watch yeah. it. You know, like like E.T. I would have enjoyed more right at, at that age, being a kid. Yeah, Close Encounters for me at that age, I was just kind of like this is weird. It was but, strange, yeah. Yeah, but I think you know maybe if I'd gone back or you know go back and watch it now, I might think differently. So we'll take a we'll take a pass. Oh wait, was it a yes or a yuck for Transformers then? Um. <laughs> I mean, again, I don't. Strictly, it's just so strictly post production speaking. Post production wise, yeah, yeah. see, post production wise, I'd have to say you got to give it a thumbs up. Like it's cool. pretty amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um, as a as a film overall, not for me. Yeah. But <laughs> but enough. yeah, yeah. but post production, you're like, holy shit! Like it's 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 my it's amazing. Uh, how about The Departed? Oh, one of my top, again top five movies of all yeah. time. Post production wise. Um, again, you know, you're you're splitting it into two categories mm-hmm. here. I mean, I love the film. Yeah, I, I can't think of I mean, everything was pretty great. Um it's funny, even in that show there's a one edit that I think about now. I'm such a nerd, but um I think it's the what's the main song from it? The uh that's the name of it. Oh, come on. Dropkick Murphy's Thank the you. um yep. um Yep, that's the song. shipping up to Boston. Yeah. yeah. So at one point they're driving in a car. And the music's playing. I think they're they're like going somewhere, and then all of a sudden, it just it just cuts out on an edit. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, it was jarring. I still re- I, I mean, I've watched that film probably like five to ten times. I love it. Yeah. But I remember that I still remember that hard out. I'm like, it 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 jarred me. I was like, oh, what a weird ending really, eh? to it and a weird transition. Yeah. Do you think they were intending to push that feeling on? I people think so. Yeah, kind of I think you know, a guy like that does. You know, everything's calculated, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it definitely. I remember being like, "That's weird." But yeah, teach their own. Yes, then or a yuck. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. yes. I mean, yeah. One one bad music edit. You know, in my, <laughs> again, my opinion, right? In my opinion. 
Um, did you ever get a chance to watch The Room? No, it seems a little too. I I don't mind watching, you know, sad, depressing movies. It was a camp. Well, that um. Oh, I got the wrong. Oh, I got the wrong one. Yeah, sorry. The, the I'm thinking Tommy... about the one with uh, Brie Larson. Yeah, uh, no, I'm talking about the Tommy Wiseau like no I... <laughs> low budget The Room, right? No, and I didn't watch the the film that what's his name um. Who was it? The, James Franco. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. Or, yeah. I mean, I'd seen clips obviously from it, and it was you know hilarious, but I didn't really want to, yeah, yeah, spend my time doing it. It's a, it's, so it's I can't comment, through, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I can guarantee you, almost it would have been a yuck, unless you have a very niche taste in. Yeah, anything. but again, you yeah. can take you know you can watch things like you know they have a, a kind of a cult status that absolutely um, turns yeah. into a, a fun movie to watch. So if you take it for what it I is, I go right? every year. The Rio does a screening of the room. Oh, okay. And people come there with packs of plastic spoons. And the reason that is is because, like, in almost every photo that is put on a set in this show, in this movie, it's always pictures of spoons. And so... Oh. Yeah, no, it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah, they just recycle the same stock photos of, like, spoons in different picture frames and put them on walls <laughs> and shit. And people, like, as soon as there's, like, spoons... The whole crowd starts screaming oh, spoon, awesome. and they start hucking plastic spoons <laughs> at the front. Like, See, that's fun, yeah. right? I made the mistake yeah. of getting, like, the front three rows. Like, I was in the third row from the front when I went to go see it the first time in the screening. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm getting pelted by spoons. Yeah. It was just, it was wild. A whole yeah, different thing. I mean, again, that's like, you know, people will enjoy it, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, maybe it's not what was intended, but... Um, they made yeah. the best of it, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that, uh, what's his name, Tommy Wiseau? Is that his Tommy Wiseau, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't shown up for that, they, they, well, they should he, get him. That's the... I think they do the screenings for it, like, kind of all around the world. They do it, oh, like, okay. a lot of a lot of community-funded, like, theaters will right. do that sort of thing. The Rio's really cool that way, but, they, yeah, yeah. like, they do a lot of, like, um, campy movie like weeks where yeah, they yeah. just like throw up like low budget like old like um old James Gunn movies and stuff. Oh yeah. Toxic Avenger and like all kinds of crap like cool. that. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun way to like spend a Friday night. It's not too expensive. And you know, you get to go laugh at something that was like it's still kind of cool to watch, you know? Yeah. Not bad. You know, and they serve beer and grilled cheese at the theater. So it's like yeah, why can't not? go wrong. Yeah. It's still fucking good night. <laughs> <laughs> so um I guess that that's it for our yes or yuck, which actually turned out to be a pretty good conversation topic. Honestly, that was pretty decent. I mean, I, you picked a lot of good movies in there too. Though. Yeah. that's the thing, right? It's I like, was I was trying yeah. to. The thing is, like, movies with terrible editing don't usually get that well recognized in the first place. So it was kind of hard for me to find anything other than like The Room and some of the the newest trilogy of Star Wars and stuff like that, where like the the post production work wasn't exactly the best, but um, in your opinion, what what do you like? What do you think was like the perfect project as far as like the po- strictly speaking in post production, visual effects, audio? Like, if you as a supervisor saw X movie um, as a final product, and and your team that you were supervising was the one that made all the post production for it, and you would be like, this is probably the best thing I've ever done or ever seen. What movie do you think would be one that yeah, comes out? I, I can't really, uh, an answer doesn't come to mind. Um, no? Be, no, just because of the whole process. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like I watch, I take movies in the same as everybody, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't sit there and, Pick I mean, there are part. times when you're like, oh, that was like really great 
sound design or you know, a really great score or whatever, and it does kind of stand out. Elements of post mm-hmm. stand out, but I don't come out of a movie going, oh, that post, you know, the overall post was was great. It's more like, I mean, that's in the back of my mind, but it's more like, did I enjoy it? Did I not? Mm-hmm. You know, was the story great? Like, was it um, you know, good acting? All I mean, again, that's the whole thing about film is it's it all kind of comes together, right? Yeah. It's, and you can sit there and go, the acting was great, but the story was terrible. But it is kind of that when it all comes together and all those different elements are firing, that's when you get like a really great movie. Again, in my opinion, some people won't disagree, won't agree with that, but yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you on that. It, it like have to have a truly good movie it does take that that like miracle of like all the different departments right. making it work incredibly well. Um, what do you think is the most helpful? in the shooting phase of a film to make the post-production side easier? <laughs> I can always say the, the simple things. Um, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that, um, I mean, there's so, there's, there's so many elements, like, you know, proper lighting and framing, and mm-hmm. uh, sound is a huge one. People, I think, underestimate the importance of, of sound. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you why, again, in my opinion. Um, when you're on set and everyone's like, quiet, you know, silence, blah, blah, blah. You have to get that clear dialogue um, from the actors. Mm-hmm. If it's if you don't get it and there's a plane or there's somebody talking or there's a weird noise that, you know, can't be removed in the post-process. Can't turn the AC system off or something. Yeah. So can, now, there is yeah. technology now that's pretty good where you can isolate those frequencies yeah, and, the room and get rid of it. Stuff. Yeah. It's pretty, I think even iPhone now... Yeah. I guess I'd add the other day that you can do that on an iPhone, which is amazing, cool. right? So yeah. yeah, technology is completely changing the the post uh, process, but or has as it's evolved. But um, the uh, yeah, but that getting a clean dialogue because if you don't get it, and you go and you cut in the take or whatever, then you have to get the actor or actress to redo it in and the we, studio. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> I think most actors would say they never quite get it the way that they delivered it on set. If yeah. it's a, a particularly emotional scene or what have you, to get the inflection, to get the emotion, to, to nail it. So I always think that, like, get good, clean sound for dialogue. That's just so important. Um, and sometimes, like you say, it's not possible, right? There's a plane that flies overhead or what mm-hmm. have you. Um, I have seen actors that are pretty good at, at ADR, as we call it, um, yeah. in the studio. They're pretty remarkable, but um, tough to get there. Yeah. Although I heard, I don't know if you heard, uh, Lord of the Rings, I was told that I think all of it, or ninety, at least 90%, if not all of it, is all ADR. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I Googled it. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Uh, a sound mixer told me that like last year, I think it was. I was wow. like, oh, yeah, we were dealing with uh, a studio in, in L.A., and the sound mixer, I don't know if he worked on it or not, but he told me. And I was like, what? He's like, yes, yes, I, I did the rec- – oh, yeah, yeah, he did the recording sessions with Elijah Wood. And he's like, wow. we did it for the whole film. I'm like, what? And I Googled it. Sure enough, it's it's true. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow, that's – because there's some big scenes there too. Mm. And like, wow. I mean, it, it's all it, it's kind of a testament to uh, uh, Ian McKellen's Gandalf character too then because if he could – that same vocal like oomph and like he yeah. did in the whole like you shall not pass scene like and you got like you do it there and then you got to do, go do it in a booth again and somehow get that same 
Yeah. That's wild. I, I, to this day, I, I still can't believe it because, you know, it's like weeks and weeks of actors in studios trying to recreate what they did, you know, six months imagine. before. Yeah. You imagine being like, you think you're done the project, the, you know, uh, primary shooting, it, it, principal shooting is all done. And then it's like, okay, Elijah, we've got you booked for another four weeks. You're coming yeah. to Universal or wherever, and you're going to be in a booth for eight hours a day just, like, reading over the lines. I think they really got into it, as I recall, uh, reading or hearing that they they kind of looked at it as an opportunity mm. to, like, you know, get it again. And that is another way to look at it. But um, And they kind of got used to it. Yeah. But, oh, that's a lot of work. I can't imagine the ADR for the, the broken toe part. Um, did you ever hear about that? No. Um, oh yeah. Then he, when he when he talking about Vigo yeah, kicking the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kicked a helmet and he didn't yeah, know yeah. it was like a real helmet yeah, yeah. or whatever. Just busted his toe in half and that scream that he got out was one hundred percent a a cry of pain out of him. Yeah, and maybe that's why I said like I think I can't remember if it was like ninety percent, but like almost all of it. And yeah. they probably again they're, they're that's why I say they they probably used little bits and pieces here and there that they were able to uh, to use in the salvage. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's crazy. And I, I had no idea. That's a fun fact. That's the thing about film, man. Like, there's always, like, these fun little, like, tidbits that you find out. Like, people just get so experimental with it on such, like, a big budget, too. Like, how do you how do you come to those kinds of decisions? It just makes me wonder, like, when you're in charge of a project like that, like, we're going to ADR all of this afterwards. Like, Yeah, sometimes it's, you know, it's determined – by like our team mm-hmm. you know the post team or whatever that listens to it and goes this it's going to sound too muddled or there's too much noise again it's the way it's kind of mixed and isolated and whatnot um in the final product that determines whether or not it's usable so is your role do you have a lot of like weight as far as the decision making for things like that go or are you more like a communications position? yeah i would say i i mean Yes and no. I, it it really depends project to project. Like some projects, I'm m- more involved with. Like that's a that's a good take or not. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of deciding whether to replace it, yeah, I'll I, I'll weigh in. But I, you know, as a supervisor, you're really relying on the team. Like so, we have have a, a sound team that goes through the entire show and they flag all the the lines that need to be done. And producers throw in the ones that they want to add or whatever. Um, and um, yeah, it's my job to kind of oversee all of those things and say, you know, oh, I think we got a take that's usable or, you know, is there a way we can somehow salvage this and that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, really relying on on the technical people to, to you know, determine that. Hmm. Good. Cool. Uh, so I probably should have asked you at the start of this yeah. this whole conversation, but um, um. If somebody, so for the people out there who are watching this, if you're not entirely sure what post-production is or what the the aspect of editing is, I was hoping you could give kind of like a editing for dummies rundown as sure. to what the details of your job and the, the part of the industry that you work in entails. Yeah. Um, well, post-production uh, is basically uh, the process of taking the footage that's shot on set and then from that point, editing, doing sound work, visual effects work, you know, color and picture work, um, uh, bringing all of those elements together. And then the delivery, which is also a huge part of it, actually, is delivering it. It's never easy um, to 
the client, the broadcaster, the studio, whatever. So it when is. you say deliver, like what what makes it difficult to deliver the product? Um, well, it, without getting too technical, it gets into a very um, there's a there's so many little details and specifics and and um, technicalities that that things have to go through, right? File formats, um, delivery specs. Um, you know, timelines as well, schedule to get everything there in time. Um, you know, it's got to go through different QC processes. And it, it's so, you talk about like the attention to detail. Yeah. It's crazy. Everything from like, you know, a dead pixel in a in a shot or whatever that somebody notices to, um, you know, clicks in a sound mix or something yep. like that. Or um, so, and then just the file formats and all the elements too. Like it's, you know, when you're, delivering a project there's a list that's like pages long of all the different things they need you it's you know the music stems and um mix tracks and uh different versions international version domestic version um just sometimes it's a an assembly of the show without mm -hmm. any color or anything like that on it um the dailies themselves the raw media backups of that yeah. like it just goes on and on and on of all the different technical specs a lot of boxes you got to check tons probably, eh? and yeah. yeah and it's because when you think about it like you, you think about well, where does this end up like it, well a lot of projects you know some of that many that i've worked they end up worldwide and so there's different requirements again there's like closed caption for some stuff and mm -hmm. um audio description for some stuff and then you know you got to deliver things so that people can do voiceovers um in different languages and um so oh, wow. there's a ton of technical stuff and that's why the process of post takes you know, if you shoot, let's say, a, a movie, a small feature, it takes you two months. You know, post will last like six, seven, eight months, right? Wow. It it takes a lot longer because there's just so much detail and so mm -hmm. many things to uh, that have to be addressed. Wow, I I, had, I didn't know it took that. Like, so it it literally takes sometimes double or more. Yeah, I would say double for sure, but it depends on the project, right? Yeah. Like a Hallmark movie, they you know they shoot it in fifteen days, yeah. and we. Probably from shoot to finish is like, you know, two and a half months. Yeah, so again, it's formula. It's, it's easily yeah, yeah, it's easily double the length of time it takes to shoot it easily. Wow. And we're working in post while shooting is occurring, because every day we get dailies, and as soon as the dailies start coming in, the editor starts chomping away on it and, and putting it together. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Well, so we're getting close to the end here, so I just want to ring off a couple of things. I know we already talked about how you ended up getting into mm -hmm. the post-production side, but if somebody's watching this or listening to this wanted to get into that aspect of it. Sure. Uh, first three things you tell them to do. Um, let me see here. Um, first three things. Um, again, there's so many different ways to go about it. Um, just trying to think. I mean, getting into a post facility, mm -hmm. like anything on set too, like starting out as a PA, we have post PAs, right? And, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, menial tasks or whatever, but it needs to be done. Yeah. Um, that would be the, the first thing I would recommend is like, if, you know, go in, check it out, see if there are places that will take on a PA to do, you know, kind of the you know, not great shitty work or whatever. Yeah. Um, but again, again, starting out those jobs, you get to see, like, it's like even said, you go to be an extra. Yeah. It's not great, but you'll get to see all these different things and how it happens. Same with post. Like you'll get to see a lot of different, um, 
processes and, and how it all kind of comes together. And, and again, maybe you figure out, oh, I want to do what that person does or I want to do what you know, she does yeah. or he does. And so um, that's one piece of advice. The other is I, I know we've talked a little bit yeah. about it is there are some programs out there. Some of them are, are there's a lot of stuff online now too. Like yeah, yeah. You want to learn how to use, you know, an editing system there's tutorials on YouTube and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It's amazing to me, like the detail that people put, like After Effects, like how to use After Effects. Like in your in your experience, um, are there like somebody who's been trained via like uh, YouTube tutorials or whatever? Is there any way for them to be able to put that on a resume as like a no. hireable skill? So it's is it a little more effective to get a certification of some kind? I yeah, guess? it helps. Yeah. It helps. I mean, because the first question, you know, I would ask hiring somebody is like, do you know Avid? Mm -hmm. Do you know how to use Avid? And and again, maybe they, they've learned um, online how to do it, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to say like, and again, I mentioned this program, like at a place like BCIT, mm -hmm. I think they, they teach you not just the technical push this button, does that, push that and does that, but the other um, bit more about the process of yeah. like, okay, this is coming in. This is what the you're supposed to do with it. This is why you do this. A bit more detail and, and explanation as yeah. to that. Um, I guess there's probably some mentorship offered through those programs too, just by having a professor nearby that can kind of. Well, yeah, and like like I said, you know, the the person that I know that runs a program here, uh, we hired uh, an assist uh, somebody to be our assistant editor. I was like, we need somebody desperately because I think there's a huge need. At least right now. Sorry, when I say right now, I mean, I mean we're going through a bit of a strike period yep. right now. Excuse me, in the industry. But like last year, I mentioned to you, we were we were dying for people. There weren't enough assistant editors first, and then yep. even editors. Um, so yeah, for somebody to come with us with you know some sort of course or whatever that says I've done this um, is a huge leg up. Yeah. Um, so that would be sort of the second thing. Um, how else to get into it? I don't know. I mean, those are the two big ones to try okay. and get in. And, so, and, you know, even finding somebody that's um, maybe a mentor that's willing to yeah. kind of, you know, take you under even a, a friend or a coworker that's doing it already. Yeah. says, hey, I, you know, you should come and, and you know, sit in or what have you. Um, yeah, those would be the two anyway. I don't know about a third. And so you mentioned Avid. Mm -hmm. um, are there any other programs that you recommend being familiar with as far as? what you guys most frequently see used in post-production. Yeah, again, it's different. Um, different usually, studios, it's not so. usually all under one roof either, right? Like okay. the visual effects house is its own entity. Yeah. I mean, I think they use they use a lot of different you know programs, Maya, Nuke, all these other ones. I'm not the person necessarily speak on what to use for yeah. that. Um, as far as like picture editing and stuff, Avid is still, I would say, industry standard, although Premiere is kind of a... Um, Good close second, yeah. yeah, very, very, and used on a lot of shows. Um, but the more you have, like, oh, uh, Resolve is a huge one too. Mm -hmm. Um, Da Vinci, yeah, yeah, people are, are, are using, um, using it for editing, like, it was kind of more just the color grading yeah. thing, um, end of it, but now it's like being, people are actually editing on it. It's used, yeah, for sort of finishing and stuff. It's a huge asset, sound wise. I, I mean, I'd still say. I have to check with the sound guys, but I think Pro Tools is probably still the the benchmark for sound editing and stuff. Cool. Those are the ones that kind of come to mind. Nice. Okay. I'm sure I'm missing a ton, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one last thing I want to pick your brain about is I wanted to get your opinion on like 
obviously these strikes have been happening and a big reason for it has been like AI. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been very interested in it and I just actually realized throughout this interview that like I haven't even touched on it. So I just want to get a quick rundown. We can rundown. keep going a little bit longer yeah? if you want okay, to. Okay, that would be just a Sure, if you got some more questions there. I, I actually didn't write anything down about the AI stuff, oh, okay. to be honest. I, I was... I charge fifty. In- yeah, I charge fifty dollars a minute. So uh, okay, better nail it down here. Let's get the checkbook running here, <laughs> Ryan. You ready to sign it off, man? Um, no, I, I just wanted to know, like, or get your insight as to where you think it's going to benefit and where you think it's going to hinder, and who is safe as far as like you know, maybe not necessarily. Like, I feel like everyone's job might be in some aspect replaceable by an AI of some kind, but. You know, we also have protective unions and stuff to keep certain aspects of this industry alive without having it interfere, right? That's what the strikes are about right now. So, yeah, like, what do you, in like t- five to ten years, your best idea, what what do you think it's going to be like? Like, do you think there's going to be the same amount of post-production jobs available? And um, Yeah, first answer, yeah, are we going to be pods, like, uh, for food in the Matrix? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of what I'm hoping we don't get to. <laughs> It's you got five years, yeah. Adam, and then that's it. Oh, that's it. You're up. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, the future is unknown. Obviously, it is a huge disruptor in in the industry right now. Um, Have you seen any of it yourself? Like, come in and start. Yes and no. Yes I, and no. I, I've got uh, somebody sent me a link to an AI editing uh, program. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a while ago too, and I didn't look too closely at it. Um, and obviously, you know, there's chat GPT and, yep. and this kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's a huge disruptor. I think that um, it's, so yeah, it's already starting to do like some editing work, right? And I had a conversation with a post producer the other day and a director asked, oh, is the sound edit going to be done by AI? And I was like, well, I kind of caught me off guard. He said, yeah, the last show this director worked on, the sound edit not the mix or anything, but it was done by AI. So really? yeah, so already it started to to creep in um, in, in certain ways into post. Um, I don't know uh, really where it'll end up. Will it replace jobs? Yes, I'm sure it will. Mm-hmm. Um, like many jobs in in the industry. Yep. Um, and not just our industry as well. Like I was actually all over the world. All right? over. Yeah. yeah, I was having a discussion with um, this. Uh, a friend of mine, his wife is um, uh, a sort of an administrative nurse, PhD, you know, highly educated. And um, she was um, telling us how with MRI scans and stuff now, like that AI is being implemented with that, right? To, you know, review a scan instead of a radiologist, you know, it's, 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 and oftentimes more effective. And so see a lot more of the spectrum and stuff, right? Yeah. And it, it, you know, and so, which is crazy, you know, but, I sound like Christopher Walken there for a second. It's um, crazy. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, so it, it will replace jobs, like as I said, all these other industries. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Is it good? Is it bad? I, I guess, it. you know, these people that are displaced, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to be able to take their skills to something else? Yeah. I don't know. It's a big question mark and a big concern. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, that whole sound edit thing, I was like, oh my god, like that's that. So when you say like, did it like, 
like master the whole thing? Like it, it cut the sound and like like brought <sighs> levels up where it needed to. And stuff? I guess so. I mean, I again, it wasn't a show I worked on, but my understanding was like it found sound effects for all the different sounds in each shot or wow. each scene, and was able to lay them in. That, wow, that's my understanding. And the the director was he was asking because he was like uh, he liked it. Yeah, he's like it worked out really well. It was probably really fast. Um, you know, our res- my you know post producer's response was kind of well, no, we're still using our you know human team to do this and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, five years from now, like who knows? I I just don't yeah. know. Um, I was also in a mix with a composer recently, and um, she was worried too. She's like, you know, is is AI going to be able to do you know my work, my job? Um, I don't know. I mean. I just read yesterday. I think somebody they're like, "Oh, I put a uh, a Taylor Swift song online. It was fake. It wasn't Taylor yeah. Swift, but they nobody knew." Yeah, same so thing happened with a what was apparently a Drake single, but it wasn't Drake yeah. at all. It was just AI made a Drake beat and like emulated his voice perfectly. Right. And everything. It was so. I mean, actually, I did hear an article. This is interesting. Um, it was a it was a podcast actually. Um, uh, about a, uh, they were interviewing. I can't remember the guy's name. I think I may have sent it to you, but um, they were talking about the the legalities of it. Yeah, because this is where you might be able. I don't know. It's kind of like Pandora's box. I don't think you're going to be able to really cap it too much. But the argument was that the sources that AI is using to to amalgamate and get its yeah whatever its output or content is taken from other pre-existing content that is copyrighted. Yes. Right? And I think Shutterstock, I think, filed a lawsuit against somebody because you could see in the amalgamation of all the elements that there was, in some parts of it, there was like a Shutterstock watermark yep. in the bottom. And they're like, oh, you you use some of our material to create this. I always like the one of Will Smith eating pasta. I don't know if you saw <laughs> yeah. it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty rudimentary and rough, but you get the concept, which yeah. is it took, Photos of Will Smith and yeah. pasta, and was able to generate this, you know, fucking crazy fresh prince with spaghetti and meatballs. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It was yeah. hilarious. But the idea is, is like it's taking this material from the internet, and that material is copyrighted. And the, the, but the catch is when they asked, uh, apparently, when they asked, uh, I don't know if it was Microsoft or whomever, they said. Um, where is it getting this information from exactly? And they said they don't know. Mm. That's what I heard. I, I, I'm not sure if that's 100% true, but basically they know it's taking it from the internet and, and sort, but they don't know exactly where or I how. I think they just had a court ruling about that recently saying that anything made by AI cannot be officially copyrighted. At least anything that people are titling as like a creative project because of the fact that it does grab from other sources right so like um because ai is not a i think it all came down to the fact that it doesn't have a human mind and that Mm -hmm. most of the things that it it makes are all based off of sources it finds online so it can't be copyrighted or trademarked as an original ip like everything that like ai comes up with i don't know what the scope is as far as like the boundaries of that go but i do remember uh Watching that on uh, some news channel on YouTube a while back, they were talking about how someone was trying to sue for people using his art, but it was art that AI generated. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't allowed to actually copyright the art because it wasn't him who made it. 
Yeah, I mean, this gets into a whole, there's a whole other podcast, but yeah. an existential uh, discussion about like, well, what makes AI different from a human? I had yeah. this discussion with my parents a couple of weeks ago. Because it's like, well, if this AI can create something that, you know, has personal has a personality, it's a character or mm -hmm. whatever, or it can tell a joke and any of this sort of stuff, it's like, well, what's really making it all that different from a human? I mean, you you know, get your experiences of life and knowledge or whatever from other people and other sources and books and internet and video and movies and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's kind of what AI is doing. What's the difference? And Yeah, there's nothing I, really artificial about how it learns, right? It's I mean, I but it, it's not, are. like you say, it's not a human. And, and yeah. I don't know, like, what the, you know, what the deciding factor is going to be. But the argument was that this will be fought in, in the courts and that will oftentimes determine... Um, whether or not, you know, you can use it or can you know, yeah. progress with the it. The whole new realm of legal crap. That yeah, and it's, I mean, out. in societal as well. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, who knows? But it's it's a little freaky. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you're talking about movies. How many movies have there been where AI has turned yep. against yep. the human it's, race, right? Like, oh, you know, man. The Matrix or whatever is a perfect example. Like, I think that's how it starts. It's like, yeah, AI, we had a fight with AI and... You know, lost. Yeah, lost pretty fast. much. Yeah, <laughs> until the end. But yeah. um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a little freaky. And you know, thinking like, what do you tell you know like kids today uh, to go into for like a profession or a career that isn't going to be obsolete or or filled with AI in like you know mm -hmm. five years? I don't yeah. know. I, who knows? Crazy. Right. I mean, that's. Yeah, that's a good way. That's a good spot to end off on too, because otherwise we could get very deep with this conversation. Yeah, exactly. And maybe I'll have to have you back another time sometime <laughs> in the future. Um, Ryan Clark, thank you yeah. for joining me. This has been a really great and informative conversation. I, I did. I really liked your answers, and um, yeah, I liked having the chat, man. If there's yeah. anybody you want to give a shout out to, or like, uh, I don't know if you do a social media thing. If you want, like, an oh. Instagram handle to shout out. No, like I'm okay. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh. No, sure. this was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, awesome. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, as I said, I don't I don't know who wants to listen to um, me blab on about post production for an hour, but uh, yeah, happy to do it. Um, I'm passionate about sort of movies. I do really enjoy movies and stuff, and uh, I consider myself lucky to do what I do and and work with the people that I work with. So it's been I it's hope been that's good. a that's a great attitude. And I hope whoever's yeah. watching this that's interested in doing the same thing, keep that attitude. It'll be really helpful. Even outside of work. <laughs> My name's Adam. This is the Deficit Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace.
Shalom, shalom.